Around the age of five, that's when I begin to experience sexual assault. And this guy I was looking at throughout the night came and offered me a drink. The next thing I remember was being on this mattress. And as I went to open the front door of my car, he put his hand on it and said, stop, and then grabbed me by the back of the shirt and pulled me into the back seat. And he kept on telling me how much I liked it and how much I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Hey guys, before we start this week's episode, I would like to give a trigger warning to anyone who has been the victim of sexual assault. During this episode, we will be revisiting one woman's experience with sexual assault and how she overcame sexual trauma. So if this is something that you feel uncomfortable listening to, please skip this week's episode. We are back and welcome to another episode of Period Sis brought to you by none other than the official box owner. I am your host, Mandy B. And on today's episode, we are diving into whew, deep breath here, but sexual trauma. Um, in this episode, I am going to be joined with a woman that I met actually maybe about a year ago, um, but caught her vibes because you know I'm a girl's girl and we kept in touch since then and when she saw that I was doing period cysts she reached out to me and actually wanted to share about overcoming sexual trauma um and the importance of finding a way to love yourself after that it's another tale of womanhood for women by women it is another episode of period cysts and I am joined today by, I want to call her a good friend, but the thing is, we just met one day at a studio and she was like the coolest person ever. And I was like, we friends now, we got to hang out. But I am joined today by Antoinette Henry, who is one half of the Around the Way Curls podcast. I love the name, by the way, too. Yeah. Super clever. So Antoinette, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Hey, so again, guys, I this is another episode where I did put a trigger warning in the beginning because once again, this conversation may be triggering, I feel like, to most women actually at this point. Um, it's crazy. Um, there's a stat that literally says one in every two women have experienced some sort of sexual assault. And I don't think a lot of us really discuss the sexual trauma um, that that brings to many of us. And so before we get into how Antoinette has dealt post-sexual assault, I want to kind of, you know, maybe get our listeners to hear your story. Um, so Antoinette, I'm going to give you the floor. Sure. So uh, my history with sexual assault, sexual violence starts from me being very young, started unfortunately at a really young age where around the ages of five, uh, yeah, five to Whoa. maybe eight or nine, I was um, being molested by two young girls who were also victims of sexual violence. But I was also raped and being molested by a babysitter's adult boyfriend. And I dealt with that trauma um, almost like a martyr uh, because I was told by the man that if I said anything to anyone that he would hurt my father, he would kill my father. It was always a threat to my family. And so I operated under the 
impression that I was somehow being a protector of my family by keeping this a secret and by just playing along and and taking this on and and just, you know, and staying quiet. So right. it started with me at a really really young age and as a result um I actually think this is a good thing, but sometimes your mind blocks certain things out in order to protect you. And so I actually don't, I know that it happened. I'm very clear about that because I know the feelings around it. I I know how I felt. Like I can still feel those feelings, but I can't visualize his face specifically. The uh, two young girls, I, I And can. I actually wanted to get back to the two young girls because yeah. I think- I mean, this is something new for me. And I, uh, you know, I think when we think of sexual assault, particularly as women, we automatically think that it is at the hands of men. And so these two girls, were they your friends? Was it something where you found, where you realized later down the line that it was an assault? Like, can you explain to me, like, how those two girls assaulted you? And and again, if it's, if I'm no, asking too much, fine. Just, you you're know. not, you're fine. Uh, yeah. So I knew in the moment I was very clear that something was wrong, especially since I had had the, um, the experience with the man and mm-hmm. my parents were very much like, people don't touch you here. People don't do X. And so what those two women, well, women now they're two girls, they were older than me at the time. Um, but I knew one from a dance school and one was a babysitter's, again, babysitter's child who was molested by her father. And so what that looked like was me saying no to certain things, me being forced to touch them places, me, them touching me places that I didn't want them to. And a lot of what people would quote unquote say is, you know, kids being kids, but I was very clear in the no. And it was, it went on for years of, you know, being touched, being forced to um, perform oral sex on them, like just different things like that, that were, that made me really uncomfortable and made me uh, just go inward and made me not trust my no. Right. You said that you were almost a martyr, like you were protecting your family, but your family also let you know that people weren't allowed to touch you in these certain places. Were, were these instances in, in which you eventually did tell your your parents? And if so, what was their response to it? Uh, I will never forget when I finally told my parents. So for those years of my life, um, we grew up, we didn't have any money really. And so I lived in a small apartment and I shared a room with my sister and I was having what they call night tears and they're not nightmares. They specifically call them night tears because I will wake up in the middle of the night screaming, but I would still be asleep. And so they would have to try to wake me, like try to get me to, I guess, be conscious. And so finally I, I just got sick of that and I was getting older. I was around nine and I was starting to think to myself, like, nobody's going to hurt. My dad was like a bodybuilder. And I was thinking like, he's tough. Like if anything, I can tell them and he can handle this. And I remember just getting up out of the bed. Ugh, and I remember walking into the living room and my parents were watching TV and they were like, of course, you know, go to bed. Like, what are you doing up? And then I just started to cry. And my dad grabbed me and was like, it's going to be okay. Like, tell me. And my dad was a very strict man, but he knew he could sense in me like there was something I was carrying. And so when I told them, my dad, 
I think for the first time felt like a failure and because f- his role in the way he saw it was to protect us. And I remember him kissing me and saying it was going to be okay. And that I would never have to worry about that man again. And he got up and he just left the house. And then, and I don't know, I don't ask where he went, but that's what he did. And, um, <laughs> and my mom, unfortunately had a really hard time dealing with it because her first experience um, having sex was being raped as well. Was so, that something that that she um, expressed to you or no. told you about prior to you opening up about? No, you know your experience. No, no. My father oh, wow. told me that years and years later, um, and she's still in denial about it. Where she admitted it to me once, and now she'll deny it and say, "I don't know what you're talking about." Um, she's just never been able to deal with it. But my father told me because I was so hurt by her inability to to connect with me on that level and to console me. Like it was more like, okay, this happened. We're going to move forward. You'll go to a counselor. We're not going to talk about it. This is not something we talk about. But like you said, it's actually, it's, it, it goes back to what you were just saying in the beginning. Psychologically, there are so many things that a, our mind blocks out to protect us, but there's a lot of things that we, we attempt and work on blocking out to protect ourselves. And so that would be exactly the same mechanism that, that your mom was using. Yep. And that's why I, I don't fault her at all for that. I completely so understand. You, you said this went on, it started as early as five years old. So I want to get into you understanding early what was wrong, what didn't feel right. I kind of want to get into like right now with the Me Too movement and us viewing sexual assault in such a wider range of things. Um, have you looked back and realized or, you know, came to fruition that, oh, I was assaulted in other ways that I hadn't even realized were assault until these conversations started happening? Uh, yes, there are, there are some experiences that I've had where I, where I've, I've thought to myself, oh, you've normalized certain behaviors that are unacceptable. From, yes. Um, that, that I, you know, I just thought, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys or men will be men. And like, I've experienced folks, you know, lying and taking condoms off. Um, Ugh. and that to me, like in certain, in certain countries, like that is illegal and they do consider that rape. I don't know how I feel. I, I, it's so, it's, I have to acknowledge my own conditioning and the excuses that I make for, for men specifically because of patriarchy. It's not you though. That's the thing. Like it's not your own excuses. I would say it's society's excuses. And a lot of this is learned behavior. It's something that I mean, we are products of our environment, but also the same way we grow up to wanting the American dream and what we believe, you know, life is supposed to be like. This is also the same thing. We react to things and what we believe to be normal. And now with these conversations like you and I are having today, we realize like we were programmed or conditioned to think that things were okay when in fact they were not. Right. Exactly. That's it. And I and I I know that and still to this day I feel there are certain there are certain experiences that I have where I still question because I know those that I know those people, I know their intentions and I and I know that there there wasn't ill will that it was really 
their own conditioning as well. The same way we're conditioned to believe in patriarchy and to fall in line, they're conditioned to act in these kind of ways. Like if you even go back, I rewatched um like Frasier and Cheers, and there's so much rape culture that are in these like prime time television shows. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's just it was everyday speak. It was just everyday. This is the way of being. This is the role of the man and the role of the woman. And this is what makes sense. And so this Me Too movement is is challenging that and forcing people to have really hard conversations and to recondition themselves and to unlearn is a really hard thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do. So. Absolutely. So uh, I, of course, like I, I want to thank you again for even opening up about your experience. Um, but this conversation more so again, being that so many women have experienced sexual assault and maybe battle with even how to move forward with relationships, with trust, with, you know, even friendships with men, um, or in your case, I mean, it's, it would be men and women. Um, I guess I want to, discuss with you how you started to heal if you're still healing and how that has affected you moving forward with dating with your relationships um if you can talk into that sure um i think that i started to heal so i really disconnected from my body for a while like it would take a lot for me as a kid like to just i i to wash thoroughly and to wash thoroughly with like with my uh, I guess genital area. Like I didn't want to, it to be touched. I didn't want to touch oh, wow. it. Like it was, I went to self-soothing with food, gained a lot of weight. Um, but I started, thank God I was always dancing. So to be in my body and to be in movement and to be like, basically in like just having agency over my body was a really big thing. And I had to, I had to relearn that. And I think I'm still relearning that where even probably as, as God, as recent as maybe two years ago, I just started to be able to pass a mirror naked. And like, oh, wow. I would always be covered up. I would always like, it, it was just, it was just how I was comfortable. And because I had disconnected from my body, it wasn't even shame. It was just like, I don't know what that is kind of thing. And so um, it was almost kind of where you hated yourself. At, at, at it, That's what it seems like. Like everything associated with you, you just didn't even want to be a part of it, it which sucks because it's based on what someone else did to you. You know what I mean? So I know we're going to talk into your relationships with others, but the fact that you almost lost your relationship with yourself, that was, you know, Mm -hmm. you hear all these cliches when, when this happened to you, get over it. And no one teaches you how. And it, it wasn't that I hated myself. It was that I didn't want to deal with myself. It was only a certain level in which I was willing to go. And it wasn't with my body. Like I wouldn't even put lotion on my body, like, because I didn't want to touch it. So I would did you, take Did you blame and, yourself? I did. What, what, uh, like, I, like I know a lot of people, especially now, I mean, you were so young, probably not, but it, did this come from any shame or blame that you had from not being able to protect yourself? It, it, like, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't blame myself, but I wish I would have done things differently. I wish I would have said something. Um, I wish other people who were aware of aware of what some was 
somewhat aware of what was going on because there were those people would have spoken up for me. So there was like a whole other thing that I was dealing with where like I actually felt like I was very strong in the situation and I had to unlearn that like strength is not taking on (laughs) pain and hurt. Like, you know, like that was what I, I had taught myself. Like I was strong because I endured this. And like, yes, you endured this, but that doesn't equate to strength always. Like that's, and so I was unlearning those things. So I didn't, I didn't blame myself. I blame myself for uh, a definitely an adult experience that I had that absolutely wasn't my fault when, you know, said person took off a condom and I went into this, like, I should have known better. I shouldn't have dealt with him. I shouldn't have this. I, why, why am I even having sex with this person? Cause it was the first time I had ever had like a fling. And that was well, what girl, it resulted I didn't in. Got, I didn't got PTSD from being blindfolded because that's actually the one instance in which I was stealthed and he purposely did it. Um, I was blindfolded. This was his idea. I had never been blindfolded before. And yeah. He literally removed the condom. And before he went to um, unblindfold me, he was like, you're going to be mad at me. So it was like one of those things where it's just like, you know, this is not okay. If I, you know what I mean? If you ask Amanda wear a condom, you guys agree to have protected sex, not unprotected sex. Exactly. And so this happened as an adult. You have this experience from your childhood. And have you reached a point where you do enjoy sex is this is your past something you communicate with your partners now like what is it like dating and building relationships post sexual trauma um i'll say that i first had to build a sexual relationship with myself Mm. So I had to start to touch my body. I had to figure out what I actually liked because a lot of my 20s was rooted in trying to please other people and forget, again, disconnecting from my body and forgetting about me because I didn't want to deal with it. And then I started to go inward and think like, this isn't life. Like, what the fuck? So I had to deal with that. Now, my relationship with sex now is like, I don't, I'm not having a whole lot of sex, but I will say I dated a woman and she was probably the safest person that I like in every aspect of my life that I've ever been with, um, emotionally, physically, sexually. And when I was fine kissing her, I was fine being intimate with her. And then there was a point where we wanted to move forward in the relationship and I couldn't. And I knew and I've never admitted this. I, I always was like, it's just not for me. But I knew that it was rooted in me being forced to perform certain sexual acts on those young girls. And that blockage, like, I could, and I couldn't say that. I, I still couldn't say that to her because I, I didn't want her. I, I just felt like that type of rejection would have been re- deeply painful for her. But I knew in my heart what was stopping me. And, you know, that, that was just a loss. Like we couldn't move forward. Um, but with men, for whatever reason, I'm, I have been able to move forward probably because I don't remember. I, I have, my mind has blocked out, blocked um, out that experience that, that the phys- like, yeah, like the actual physical experience. I can see the room. I can smell smells. I can hear sounds, but I don't know what that shit looked like. And I don't want to. In all honesty. So so I'm very honest with my partners. Um, I will say that 
I uh, have sex with people who I have to care about them because for me that equates more to safety. I feel like if you actually care about me, then you'll keep me safe and you won't do X, Y, and Z. Um, That obviously folks, that don't always work because people be out here cheating and everything the fuck else. I I do think that that's actually an interesting viewpoint of dating, especially right now where dating is so fluid and sexual partners comes a dime a dozen. And there are a lot of women who are sexually liberated to have multiple partners. So to know that so many women have experienced this sexual trauma, but for you in particular, you want to have that connection with a partner solely because you do equate it to safety. Um, You couldn't necessarily have this full conversation and how you felt with ending that relationship um, with that specific woman at the time, what is your dating life now? And I don't think I've even asked, could you let our listeners know around what age you are? Cause this just seems like a lot that you have had to work with over, you know, how many years has it been to where you've been trying to love yourself and now also, you know, express love and open yourself up to others. I'm 32. Um, I will say that it comes in waves and that there's always triggers along the way. So there'll be a span of time when I'm fine. And then I might have an experience where someone takes a condom off and then I have to do some more work to be like, okay, that was one person. That does not mean that you're not safe in this world. And I have to have these conversations. I also just finished reading um, Adrian Marie Brown's uh, Pleasure Activism, which I highly recommend to folks. It's a really dope book. Basically, it's it's like a radical exploration of of pleasure from a woman's uh, perspective. And um, and she talks about healing from se- sexual trauma in that. And basically, you know, living within your body again and like having agency over it. So for right now, like th- my kind of healing looks like honestly going on my roof butt naked. Like that might not sound like anything to anyone else, but it's a really big deal for me. Being in my room, um, doing yoga naked. A lot of this is naked, 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 and being forced to explore and celebrate and even acknowledge my body again and not have it be for anyone else, but for me. For you. Do you feel like from all of the experiences that you've had with various people in your life, do you believe that you will fully be able to trust and and open up completely to someone. I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I I have done that with people. I think that my my work is in is always in when I do that with people and then they let me down, it cuts so much deeper because my thing is like, yo, I trusted you. I have all this other shit that I've really worked through and now you've done X or you've not kept me sexually safe because you fucked this person raw and came right back to me. Like those kind of things. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that just think like, oh, I cheated. But like a lot of times it's so much deeper for the other person, especially for a woman, because you're actually inside of my body. Like you're actually so close to my womb. Like I don't have kids yet. And I I dealt with a situation where someone gave me, you know, HPV and I had a cervical cancer scare and it was the one of the loves of my life. And I'm looking at him like, now you and you're gone and I'm left here having to do all of this work again. 
you saying that you want a partner that not only that you trust, but that feels like they have your safety in mind. And then you to also relate safety to cheating. I'm not going to lie. That's something I never even thought of. Like I want you to keep me safe. And by cheating, yes, there's a whole nother level to it as far as betrayal. If we don't open up in this way um, to where I allow you permission to do these other things. I never thought that you keeping me safe sexually also has to deal with you not going out and potentially bringing something back to me that I didn't ask. So I'm not going to lie. I just never looked at it that way. Oh, I definitely do. Like you have not kept me sexually safe if you have not kept your part of the bargain. I mean, one of the great parts about being in love with somebody or being in a relationship with somebody and trusting them is being able to be sexually free and explore and having exploration and having sex raw and just, you know, being that being your person. And then when someone violates that, it's like, yo, am I all right? Like, and that question is, is terrifying to have to be like, oh, now I have to go get checked and you could have given me anything. And then also the shame as far as behavior that is learned that we must unlearn the fact that there is shame and even going to our partners saying, Hey, something ain't right down there. Mm. And I need to have this conversation with you because we both need to figure this didn't just come out of thin air. You know what I mean? And so even the, the unlearning of having that conversation about our sexual health with our partners, it's almost like we have shame when there's a little inch, you know, a little inch or a little stench down there. And we kind of, you know, want to run to our doctor, but that's something we also don't really know how to communicate with our partners too well. Girl, that is so true. I mean, the last, the man, the last, the man that I was in love with, I just knew we were going to get married. He, I actually, we had had sex and my vaginal, this is a lot, but my vaginal lips <laughs> were swollen. And I was like, what is going on? And I had, and it wasn't from him beating the pussy up. Huh? It, no. And he looked and I, I'll never forget the look on his face where I was like, something is up. He did something. And I asked him and he was like, absolutely not. You need to get, you know, something's going on with you. You need to get checked. And he was cheating on me. And lying and lying and lying. I just thought to myself, what the fuck? Can you just tell me? Because I don't know of swollen lips to be a symptom. (laughs) What was it, girl? What was it? What did they say? Uh, uh, It's like a, what is it? Bacterial vagin. It's like a bacteria. Oh, BV. Yeah, that was it. But they were like, that's a symptom of like your, after intercourse, your vaginal lips can be like, like when I say swollen, it looked like hot dog buttons. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Yo? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. But still well, he's sitting there just lying. For what? Well, because that's what they're going to do, sis. But we, we already know that they need to unlearn that. But Mandy, think about this though. Like this is a man who I sat down with and said, I have, this is my history. So when I when I share myself with someone, like it's a big deal. And I need you to understand like the, what this means to me. And I need you to keep me safe. And for, for us to have that conversation, for things to be agreed upon, and then you don't uphold your part of the, like your part of the deal. It's like, right. yo, you didn't keep me safe. 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. I feel like that's uh, another thing in itself. I think that men don't know how to process or react to sexual trauma to women that they love or care for. Because um, uh, uh, really, they have sexual trauma that they ain't deal with. They don't, they don't even know how to deal with it. But I mean, also, I had a, uh, you know, someone who I love dearly. And when I experienced sexual assault on the train a few years ago, he was like, well, that ass is fat. And I was like, what? <gasps> this is your response to me telling you, like, I was sexually violated on the train? Because, you know, guys, they'll be getting drunk and they think they can have whatever they want. You know, the whole grab by the pussy thing. Oh, and yeah. then it's like out of nowhere, they're like, boom. Do you like fully like grab? You... I was totally showing no, you. how. Fine. The... Well, here, look, let's make things even. Go ahead. Grab my. No, it's <laughs> Grab it. Because for a second there, you like, you turned around like you were going to give me literally some feminist rant bullshit. And I'm the biggest feminist there is that I know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I love women. Women, 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 women. And so, and, you know, I know he didn't mean it as a way, but I like hung up on him immediately. I was literally, you know, feeling it. And I was just like, that's your response. So again, in in your case with your partner, he probably, you know, he heard you, but I don't think it really resonated with him what trauma you really experienced. Yeah. You yeah. know? So something I like to do before we get out is a lot of women are listening to your story. They may relate to a lot of uh, a lot of it um, and are trying to learn how to, as well, overcome sexual trauma with dating and trusting people and communicating with their partner what bit of advice would you give any woman listening now um, who has experienced sexual trauma and how to potentially, you know, heal from it? I would say the first thing you have to do is name it. I invite people to actually put language to it and 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 say what it actually was. Um, and then I highly recommend. Hey, can you give an example of that? What do you mean name it? Uh, like there's a lot of people be like, well, you know somebody was playing around with me or somebody this or like, you know, and they, they kind of dumb it down. It's like, no, that was sexual violence. No, that was molestation. Or, you know, I ain't really want to, but he did it anyway. No, that was rape. So Got like you. name it, say what it was. So, and, and feel it and feel how you feel so you can be free to feel something else. And I think through that, it's like, Therapy. I'm a huge, I recommend therapy. I also recommend doing things with your body if you do feel detached from your body, but it shows up for people in, in different ways. Like some women become prom, like quote unquote promiscuous, whatever the fuck that means, while other right. women go inward. So do do a t take a temperature check on that. But then also you can be quote unquote promiscuous and still be detached from your body. So to Go back, claim your body as, as as what it is, as it being yours. And then, you know, you gotta continue to to check in, like after and to and to talk to your partner about it. Cause this is a it's a part of you. And and you know, when I talk about it, it's freeing for me. Like there was a point when I never spoke about this, and now it's like this this is a part of my history, and that's okay. Like I've learned so much from it and, and it's forced me to grow and it's it's pushed me to to see myself and to deal with myself and to love myself in ways that I didn't know that was possible. And to also understand that like it's not always gonna be this, 
you know, dark cloud hanging over you. And I also highly recommend that book, Pleasure Activism. I'm actually going to make sure um, we'll communicate after this because I definitely want to be sure I put that book name and author in the description of this episode. Um, I think reading has been something, especially right now, a lot of people have a little bit more time than they may have had um, pre-pandemic. And so this is probably the best time to find yourself. And so take this extra time and instead of binging a new Netflix show, Find out what what your triggers are, what makes you happy, what makes you sad, and get into reading a book. Again, I'm definitely going to put that in the description of this episode. Antoinette, you're fucking bomb. You are. Thank you. No, thank you for opening up and sharing your story and and just doing this. Again, it's going to mean a lot to, to a lot of women that can listen to this and hopefully learn from literally just your journey. So I appreciate it. Can you let everyone know where they can follow you and where they can listen to you? Because when I tell you your voice, this was, and I know we hung out and kind of got a little <laughs> drunk, you know, but, but your voice on this mic is beautiful and oh, you definitely you. like speak, speak to where I felt every word that you said. So can you let, you know, my, my audience know where they can find you? Sure. I am one half of the Around the Way Curls podcast, where we talk about all things under the sun from money and dicks to love and light because duality is a thing. Uh, We release an episode every Thursday on all streaming platforms. You can also, if folks have questions or anything, please feel free to hit me up um, on IG. Be happy to talk through that. Uh, my Instagram is Antoinette underscore Lee, L-E-E underscore, or just the Around the Way Curls Instagram. I'll be happy to hold space for folks, talk to folks, bullshit with folks, whatever you need. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this conversation. I'm so grateful to you for even giving folks this platform because it's necessary. These, these conversations are, are, are going to change the world. You're doing God's work, boo. (laughs) Hey, well, thank you so much, Antoinette. And guys, again, all of that information is in the description of this bio if you didn't get it. So don't worry, you ain't got to keep rewinding to catch all them underscores because listen, it's a lot. Um, I'll be sure to put it in the description of this episode. And Antoinette, again, thank you for joining me, love. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I truly just want to give a shout out to any woman um, who has experienced some form of sexual assault, whether it be at the hands of a man or woman and was able to overcome that. Um, This was such a powerful conversation. And before I even scheduled it, I, you know, when I thought of how do you overcome sexual trauma with dealing with other people, I was kind of at a standstill to see how much Antoinette brought up how she had to find a way to love herself again and be comfortable with herself. So I think that that was a huge takeaway from this episode. As always, I want to leave you guys with some stats and information regarding sexual assault. Um, One of the most fascinating stats that I came across was that every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. Every nine minutes, that victim is a child. Meanwhile, only five out of every 1,000 perpetrators will end up in prison. Um, There's just a high 
percentage that the person next to you has experienced some sort of sexual assault. And what's crazy is there's a high percentage that the person next to you also was the person who committed the sexual assault onto somebody else and is still out here. Um, the rate of sexual assault and rape has fallen 63% since 93 from a rate of 4.3 assaults per thousand people to 1.2 um, in, in, in 2016. This is based um, off stats from the Department of Justice. Again, I think that that's also um, based on how many people do not come forward. Um, I mean, even in the case of this episode, Antoinette didn't mention taking any of these to court. So just imagine how many people have gone through the same type of experience and have not seeked justice through the the justice system. Um, a breakdown real quick as well of, of locations where sexual assault occurs. 55% happens either at or near the victim's home. 15% in an open public place. Um, I mentioned in this week's episode how that's how I experienced it in a subway. 12% is at or near a relative's home. 10% is in an enclosed but public area such as a parking lot or garage. And 8% is on school property. Um, once again, guys, if this is something that you have experienced, definitely speak up. But more so than that, if this is something that you've been living with and you have chosen to put it in the back of your head for whatever reason, um, definitely seek healing, um, whether it's by therapy, whether it is through talking to friends and people who are going to be able to help you cope. Um this is something that unfortunately we have yet to create the power to go back in time and change how we react in certain situations. So again, instead of beating yourself up, seek help in coping and realizing that it's not your fault that this has ever happened and that you are still a beautiful human being. Period. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Period Sis. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That is how you can support this show. Also, if you are someone who maybe have listened to this for the first time, you can now join us on Patreon. We are we are having these conversations weekly as these episodes drop, and I am creating a safe space for women to come on and share their stories and find other women with the same type of situation so that you can open up and find someone to lean on. We all need each other. Um, so again, join us on Patreon. The information for that is in the description of this episode. And once again, thank you for joining me on another tale of womanhood. This is period sis signing out. Bye guys. Bye guys. Real work is to figure out where your power base is. That's, that's the number one thing you have to do is to work on yourself and to fill yourself up. There's no selflessness in that because only through that do you have the ability to offer yourself, your whole self, your full expression of who you are. You are. You are. You are.